Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. there hi there oh there Uh uh-oh that wasn't even rehearsed no that just came out like that and i don't know why no clue none whatsoever i hate to say it but we're here we're back yeah i hate that we're never gonna say it again until next week well we'll try not to we'll we'll do our best well i'll try to be official here this is john tellerico and rich wilgus we are blood Thirsty, screaming vegetarians. Yes, no articles, please. Okay. Definite or indefinite. I think we've got a good show today. It's going to be different, I think. We're, yeah. we're not going to really talk about anything relevant or interesting or, or you know, actually, it's just going to be 30 minutes of silence. It's going to be performance art. No, it's not really going to be silence. It's just going to be the sound of my stomach. <laughs> I'm going to put the microphone right on my belly. And it's large. <laughs> Get in my belly. Get in my belly. Yeah. We um we got an interesting uh, email from our friends in in Holland the other day. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you why don't we just start out the show with that? Yeah, let's uh, kick it let's off. Let's hear with, a little bit of that with some of our friends. Hi, this is Sven from the Dutch band Doctor Flexitone. We play the funk in our own language, so we can say whatever we want without raising suspicion with our friends, the Americans. With this promo, we would like to share with you some of the beauty of our language. So, if you want to feel all European and cool for a moment, I'll just teach you the number one pickup line every tourist in Holland needs to know. So, here we go. Repeat after me. The postcoots puts and puts the postcoots met postcoots puts. Did you get that? Once again. <laughs> the postcoots puts and puts the postcoots met postcoots puts. Well, that wasn't so hard, was it? Now, keep practicing that line, and maybe if you did it right, we'll teach you how to order a beer in our next promo. In the meantime, visit if you want to know more of the Dutch language or just listen to our great music. See you at was great those guys are out of their minds i don't know if a url can have 12 w's in it. <laughs> i don't know if it can either but for those who didn't get that and that's probably all of you it's www.flexatone.nl that's right and it's spelled just the way it sounds flex a tone yeah <laughs> those guys are great yeah they're uh actually we have something coming up a little later from them don't we yes we they do have some new material new music and it's uh pretty slimy yeah, we're going to play that a little later. We've got all kinds of crazy stuff to talk about on the show, except none of it's news. Today, it's all film. Film, film, film. Yeah. It's film everywhere. But actually, we're going to start out with a tune. Yep. And this is a guy that we played a couple of shows ago, I think show number nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pronounced his name as Seth, Seth Horan. It's actually Seth Horan. And in the meantime, since I saw, uh, since I, since we did that show, I actually had an opportunity to go see him at a local, uh, a local school, um, we have a SUNY campus locally, State University of New York, 
And uh, he did a show Tuesday night. So last week or earlier in the week, I got to go see him and uh, I, I blogged about it. There, I actually use that as a verb. I, I hate it when people do that. But, I, but did you Google about it? No, I didn't Google him, but I did blog about it. And he's a great guy, and he plays as well as uh, – he's not one of these studio trickery guys. And um, what's this song called? It's called Something Pretty. Well, yeah. why, don't, why don't you play it?
Yeah, he's definitely got it. He's the real deal. I like that guy. I hung out with him um, after the show up at uh, SUNY, and he thanked us for playing his music on the show, our show, on the podcast. And uh, he just did a solo thing um, that night. It was just bass, guitar, and vocals, which is really cool. A lot like the track we played a couple of, a couple of shows ago. And I thought this song, because when he did it live, I really liked it. And I asked him if I could play this one on the show, too. And he said, yeah, play any, anything you want. So we'll probably play some more from him in the future. I hope so. Man, but he great stuff. Yeah, so this ended up being a band arrangement. So I, when I first played it on the way home uh, uh, from the show, I was like, uh, there's a band there. But I liked it. <laughs> I really The arrangement really grew on me. It's really cool. He's a really strong songwriter, great singer. And I, I, after seeing him and hearing the one track, I wasn't sure if he was a real rhythm-based sort of bass guitarist, the guy who could really anchor the bottom and play some groove and, and, and underplay, you know, and actually just play for the song. And in this song, during those choruses, he plays some really funky grooves in the low end, and he does the two-handed tapping stuff when it's needed. Just a, just a great talent. I, I, this guy should be a millionaire. Yeah, I'm torn, because I think that he should have a huge deal with some distributor so that he can be heard by everyone. I think a lot of people need to hear this stuff. Well, he was in a band. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm saying that, you know... But I don't want the the major label to be sucking him dry. Yeah, it's like a lot of my artists that I like, I never want to get on a major label because I don't want, like, you know, the masses to discover him because, you know, well, he's our little secret. No, I I want everyone to discover this guy, but I just don't want the the label to be taking all the spoils. Yeah, and he he used to be in a band called Vertical Horizon. I don't quite know what that means, but... um, uh, I don't know if he still plays with them, but he's doing this solo thing, and and, he, and it was great. He's going to play around here again, and maybe we can actually record him live, which yeah, I thought cool. of doing uh, after the show. Yeah, and I think in the future we might do some interviews with some artists, too. That would be fun. Yeah, we could actually get him playing live, and he th- he'd love to do it. I actually mentioned that to him. Oh, great. So, John. So rich. Seen any good movies lately? I've seen... Uh, the, the amazing thing is I've actually seen a movie. With my schedule and my usually family it's, life, it's tough. Usually it's me. I know, it's you. But uh, I actually caught a movie. Um, I, I went to go return some films and, and um, kids' films and, uh, and a video game that we rented. And I, I saw some new stuff out. And I picked up this film called Layer Cake. It's, um, I don't think it was an independent. I think it was, it was produced by a, uh, a larger film company. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm looking at the case right now to see who it was. But... Um, it's a it's a well, Sony Pictures, um, but it, it it got some decent distribution, got some press. Um, but it's a it's a British gangster film, filled with great character actors. And and as I started researching after seeing it, I'm I'm looking at some of these guys and saying, man, I've seen them in other in other things. Um, I'm going to mispronounce his name on purpose. Colm Meany. Colm, Rich is telling me. Colm Meany, better known as uh, Miles O'Brien from Star Trek and uh, the Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Yeah, he plays a real tough guy. Um, the, the lead role is, uh, is played by, uh, Kenneth Cranham and he's, I don't think he's been in a lot of, uh, feature films that, that you've seen in the U S uh, the road to perdition. He was in that. He played the son of Paul Newman, um, uh, Michael Gambon, Gam, Gambon, Gam, Gam, Gamon, the MB is tough to pronounce on purpose. Um, but I think that he's the guy who, uh, has taken over his, uh, in the Harry Potter series is the the old wizard, the Gandalf type guy. Haven't seen any of those films. Yeah, but he he plays a, a, a old gangster. Does he have a horse? A horse? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I don't know. 
well, it's not a cowboy film. Gandalf. Oh, no. He no. doesn't have horror? Okay. No. Um, there's a guy in here, George Harris, very imposing, dark figure. Um, I'm saying, man, I've seen him before. Then again, doing research, I found out that he was in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He played Katanga or something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, but a lot of great character actors. Uh, it it's, it shows the, the underworld of, of uh, drug dealers. And, the dark underbelly. Yeah, but it's it's done in a very, very humorous way. It, it was, the director was... Um, What's his name? Uh, let me see here. I've got notes here. Matthew Vaughn. He was the, the producer of some other films that you might have seen. Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Um, the the Guy Ritchie films. Uh, Mr. Madonna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so he, he's directing this film. And it's it's very similar to those. It, you know, it's the, the underworld um, done in a very humorous way. But um, one scene caught me in this film. It was great. Where And I'm not giving anything away here. People die. Um, the, the lead character, he plays this straight laced, uh, he seems to be very intelligent. He's a, he's a drug dealer, drug dealer. He, um, he, uh, cuts cocaine and, and distributes it. Um, but a very smart guy and very, very, um, I don't know. He seems to be the anti-hero. Um, but he's, he's trying to get out of the business. That's his plan. The very beginning of the movie, he's, he wants to get out of the business, but things just go wrong. Um, so he's, he's forced into doing what he doesn't want to do. Things is, just go awry. Yeah. He's, he's, he has to stay in the business. Um, and he has to kill someone to do it and he has to kill a, a fairly prominent figure. Um, and unlike many of these films, you show him racked with guilt afterwards. He he just keeps seeing the face of the guy he killed. And it's something you don't see in gangster films very often. You know, generally it's it's glamorized, like the killing is done um to to underscore a point. But um but in this case, he had to do it. He was forced into doing it, and he was just very guilty about doing it, and he had to drink himself to sleep that night. Hmm. And so I thought it um very interesting take on it, but uh, good film. Very, very good effort for a first-time director. I've not seen that film. And for those out there who care, <laughs> John hasn't seen any of the films <laughs> I'm going to talk about tonight either. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting. But the, the should I do my thing? Or yeah, go you, ahead. You got anything else to say on no, that? No, no. If, if you want to see it, it's, it's uh, in all of your favorite uh, video, video stores. stores. Don't download it. That's, At a that's illegal. Theater near you. Yeah. Um, I saw uh, an Italian film uh, from Italy. That's generally most Italians are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I saw it at the uh, Munson Williams art ongoing art film series thingy, whatever, whatever I do that I go to. The uh, Institute. Yeah, the what we lovingly refer to as the Institute. www.mwpai.org. <laughs> I'm all tongue twisted here, but anyway, this was a, an Italian film made in uh, 2005, directed by Paolo Virzi. And it's called Caterina in the in the big city, and it's it was an interesting film. I had no, I, I never read the um, the film reviews that they give us on an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper when I go in because there's sometimes there's spoilers in there, so I never read it. But the film was about this this young young woman uh, named Caterina, and she and her family were moving from you know the country basically in Italy to uh, the the city of Rome, which I'm sure you've heard of. Yeah, it's pretty famous. Yeah, it's it's, it's been a. They've talked about it on a couple of specials on TV once or twice, but um, and it's been around for a while too. Yeah, it's been out there. It's been out there. All roads uh, lead there, I'm told. And she has an interesting family, <laughs> don't we all? As my <laughs> friend Lisa would say, dysfunctional family is a redundant term. That's right. But um, 
So they go, they finally, the father is a teacher and he was teaching at a public school or something in, in this small town that they come from. And he finally, his transfer was approved to go to Rome. So he, he uproots his family and moves them to Rome. And the father is a really strange eccentric with a temper. And uh, not that he does anything violent. And it's but, also redundant. <laughs> yeah, it might be. And the father's main pet peeve is he hates cliques. You know, uh, you have to, you're not cool if you're not, if you're not in this clique. And, but at the same time, while he hates and loathes, openly talks about loathing these cliques, he desperately wants to be in one, you know? Oh, so there's the, of course. Uh, there's the rub. And his daughter gets, you know, goes to the same public school, uh, school that he went to when he was her age. And, you know, he told her not to say where you're from, this little provincial area, because they'd make fun of her. And when she was finally forced to admit it, they did make fun of her. And basically, the school has two factions. You know, I guess Italy's still pretty uh, pretty political. And there's the fascist party and the communist oh, party. Yeah. They're all very active there. And half the class is in one party and half the class is in the other. And they're all kind of trying to lure Katarina to their side. So now she has to struggle between which clique she wants to get in, if any, right? So at first she joins one and that doesn't work out, you know, getting a tattoo and then vomiting all over her father after a night of drinking <laughs> really stopped that in a hurry. And then she joins the other clique, which is kind of the rich kids and they're all, their fathers are politicians and everything. And then she's treated really badly. Um, there's, in fact, there's one scene in the film that made me really angry. This really nice young man wants to take her out. He's a musician. She's a singer, by the way. She loves to sing. So um, they're going out on this date, and he takes Katarina home to meet uh, his mom. And, um, you know, the mom goes, where are you from? And she says her little town, which is, let's see if I can find it in my paperwork here. Well, I can't. But anyway, she says this little town where she's from, and the mom kind of, you know, uh, turns her nose up and then, you know, does the little crooked, crooked finger thing and calls her son over and whispers something in his ear and slips him some money. And then conveniently, when they get outside, he makes up some excuse about where he has to be and hands her money for a cab or something to go home. I mean, it's just so wrong, <laughs> you know. And then there's there's all sorts of strange dynamics at home. Um, you know, the relationship between her mother and her father isn't that good. And he does a variety of things <laughs> with his temper that get him fired. And uh, I don't really want to tell you the entire plot of the film, but, you know, her struggle between the, the two cliques and what she wants to do and the father's outward loathing of cliques but inward loving of cliques makes for an interesting film. And uh, I would recommend it. I thought it was a really good film. And, um, you know, it doesn't have the happy ending. I mean, nobody gets killed or anything. It doesn't have the ending you might think it has, which is, uh, which is interesting, too. So uh, that's something that's worth seeing, and uh, I'd recommend it. Yeah, great. I probably won't see it anytime soon, but uh, I'll see if I can. Well, uh, just go out and rent the thing for crying out loud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've got more of the doctor. Uh, Dr. Feelgood? Dr. Scholes? <laughs> <laughs> No, we've got Sven and the guys from Dr. Flexitone, the Dutch funk band, and we love them. They're out of their minds. So why don't you play it? Dig it.
ramp de post, daar is de flexatoon die ons verlost. Van botsende babbels, losgeslagen brabbels, ronduit stuitende uitbuitende flap uit snabbels. Van weg geweest ben ik teruggekomen, mooi niet van op. Maar voor de band van mijn dom, ja ze knallen als live. Met je vissen kocht speakers, de vong slaat over, ja ze weten dat muziek is. Zonder mokken, gelijk de betere Chinese kok. Hoe bakken zij de song en rocken de rock? Pittige kruid, ambachtelijk bereid. Vesgebakken vonken, dat zit ik niet kwijt.
voor mijn geintjes. Je raps voor mij zijn feitjes, maar geen geintje meer dan wat coupletten en refreintjes. Spijt me zeer, gewoon een rappende meneer. Zonder Nike-petje, dat is best te warm met die krullen. Niks, geen gouden fietskettingen of andere dure spullen, omdat ik terloops in de microfoon sta te lullen. Ik ben voor verbullen vaccin, dus gebraad. Ik ben slechts een druppel op die hele grote langspeelplaat. Maar met vette vond voel ik me altijd fijn. Nog de flexe toon, die heeft het wonder medicijn. Het is de vette I don't know what it is, but these guys always put a smile on my face. These guys rock. If you guys ever come to the States, we're there. Yeah. Even we'll, if we'll, it's like halfway across the country, we're going to make it. We'll even pay at the door just to support your fine efforts. Yeah, definitely. I'll pay to see these guys. And maybe it's because I love the chili peppers so much uh, and and uh, in Parliament. I, I think that, that they definitely have it, too. <laughs> they crack me up. Well, when they did that promo, wasn't it Bootsy who did that? <laughs> this is Bootsy from Dr. No, it was Sven. That's right. Um, we still haven't gotten a translation for any of these songs. Well, no, that one song means Sail With Me or something. Oh, does it? Yeah, Verd the Me or something like that, one of them was called. Oh. I thought I forwarded you that email. He no, told you me didn't. what the title meant. Oh, well, my apologies. You're having these private conversations with the doctor. I am, which is where that uh, promo came from, without your knowledge. <laughs> So in Great. keeping with our film theme tonight, we have another film. And this it's one all entertainment show. It is. And this one actually I had no intention of watching yesterday when I started the day. I hadn't even thought about it. But I went to one of those enormous, gigantic bookstores that's perhaps better known by its initials. You know, the ones with the coffee bar and you can sit around and, you know, dog ear their books and uh, you know, read them all day and they don't get mad, but yet those overhead costs show up in the price of the books that you actually You're, right. You're not allowed to bring books in the bathroom either. No? Okay, I didn't know that. But um, So I, I was just looming around there, seeing if uh, any of the normal uh, uh, gang of criminals that I sometimes see there on uh, on Saturdays was there. And uh, I, I stumbled across this book called uh, A Thousand Films You Need to See Before You Die, or something like that. And I was looking through it, being a film fan. And a lot of the early films, you know, like 1900 to 1950 or whatever, I, I wasn't that familiar with. I mean, there were a few that I had seen, but, you know, the bulk of them I, I certainly hadn't. I never even heard of a lot of them. But from 1970 on, um, I had pretty much seen every other film, you know, that was that was uh, in the book. But one of the films that I'd been wanting to see for a very for a, a very long time now popped up. I just turned a page and there it was. And it's a film called uh, My Left Foot, starring uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. D-Day-Lewis, who was uh, also in Animal House, by the way. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. That's something else entirely. Completely. Yeah. So I, I had to go across the street to one of those other gigantic big box stores to buy something because they put all the small businesses that I could have bought it, locally owned small businesses, out of business <laughs> that I could have bought it from. So I, I went over there and I, I looked for it in the all new special director's cut of uh, My Left Foot Was Out. So I watched it. And boy, what an amazing film. It came out in 1989. Daniel Day-Lewis, probably uh, one of the greatest actors who ever lived. Um, it's about a man with cerebral palsy. 
and uh, he can basically only move his left foot. So he writes, he paints, he does everything with this left foot. It's it's absolutely incredible. His name was um, Christy Brown, and he was a, a Dubliner. And uh, I don't know, born around uh, 1922 or something, died in 82 or something thereabouts. Hmm. He uh, he died a, a very young man, unfortunately, but he had published four or five novels and, uh, you know, was was pretty well known for his, his writing and his artwork. And what I really liked about this film was, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis gives great performances in every film he's in. But, I mean, this isn't really a feel-good film. It's not that it makes you bad, feel bad. But when you watch this film, you know, you don't leave it, you know, all, you know, in, in that heartwarmed state that you leave some, some films like this in. And again, it's not that anything bad happens to him. It's just not Benji come home. or Yeah, anything. it's not Benji come home. But the thing that absolutely I, I loved about this film was the way, the way Sheridan co-wrote the film. Jim Sheridan directed and co-wrote the film. And the way he directed it, and, and of course, uh, uh, Lewis's performance, you know, when this man was struggling to to pick up a piece of chalk or a pencil or a a paintbrush with his left foot. I mean, it was a huge, incredible effort for him. And I mean, you know, the look of anguish and torment and frustration on on uh, Daniel Day Lewis's face was just absolutely amazing. And you really were living this moment with him. And they would draw the moments out so they seemed real. And you're sitting there watching this poor man. And you can, you know, you just feel this frustration along with him. And I mean, of course, we don't know what it's like to be someone with cerebral palsy, but wow. I mean, mm-hmm. the gargantuan effort that he uh, that he would put into the smallest of movements um, was just amazing. And, and Daniel Day-Lewis really made you feel it. I mean, he really did. And, and it is a wonderful film. You know, he uh, he learns to speak and, and become very functional. And he's, re- you know, and, and I'm sure with so many people who have disabilities, you know, there's a smart person in there wanting to get out to express themselves, you know, and Man, that must be the most frustrating in the thing in the world not to be able to express yourself. I mean, you and I are pretty lucky. Yeah. We, we can get up. We can walk. We can talk. If we want, we can get on our bikes and go for a ride. We can tell that person that we love them or we care about them, you know. And, um, you know, he couldn't do that for the longest time until he learned to speak. And uh, uh, it's just an amazing performance, and it's an amazing uh, directorial debut. Jim Sheridan was a, a director doing um, the um, – the um, the Dublin uh, theater scene. He was a, th- mm. a, th- a theatrical director, and uh, this is just an amazing film. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you all remember all the accolades in the Academy. I think Daniel Day Lewis won an Academy Award for it. Sounds like he should have. <laughs> yeah, and and the woman who played his mom, I think won it won two uh, Academy Awards, not best film, but I think I think Daniel Day Lewis won, and I think the woman who played uh, played his mom won for best supporting actress. And uh, by the way, this was a very prolific family. They seem to have about a kid a year. Um, if I'm not mistaken, his mom, Irish Catholic, mm, there you go. His mom got pregnant 23 times Whoa! and this is real. And I think he has 13 siblings. I think wow. there were some miscarriages and some other things that a lot of the, the babies didn't come to term, but, um, yeah, that's an awful lot of that's kids. That's a tough life. And you know, they're, they're living the working class, um, poor upbringing, you know, and they're trying to save to get this man a wheelchair, you know, and then it turns out they have to, his father gets laid off at one point and they have to, uh, they have to, um, buy food so he can't have a wheelchair. So for the bulk of the film, he's wheeled around in, in sort of a wooden wheelbarrow that the father calls a chariot, which is a wonderful <laughs> way to refer to it, but well, really yeah. it's a wooden wheelbarrow. But, you know, you do realize there's this amazing, brilliant guy, you know, inside of, uh, inside of the trapped inside of this this body and uh, it's it's a great film and at the end of the film he uh he um 
he meets a woman and they get married and they were married up until the day he died. And unfortunately he died, you know, at a very young age of 49 or 50. I think he was eating and he choked on his food. I mean, that's just, that's not the way you should no, die. No. You know, that's just wrong. Sounds like a death a, a rock star would have. Yeah. And this got me thinking about other things, right? So I, I plugged in his name, Christy Brown, I believe it was on, uh, I Googled it. You Google, there, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two the verbs. Verb. There it is. And I was hoping to find like the, the Christy Brown website, you know, the estate that manages his, his books and his intellectual property and all this stuff and uh, to find a big, uh, biography and a history. And it's not out there. I couldn't find it. But one of the top links on the front Google page that popped up, was a reference to where he's buried, <laughs> where he's buried in Dublin. And it's a website called findagrave.com. <laughs> Boy. And I, I initially, I just thought, how wrong is that? But, you know, I e immediately emailed this find to John and a friend of mine named Leo. And, uh, hi, Leo. And um, I had forgotten something about Leo, which I'll tell you about in a minute. That's it's pretty interesting and ironic. And it just so shows how all things are truly relative. But, um, you know, if you go to find a grave and you type in, you know, Christy Brown's name, you find out where he's buried, what cemetery he's in. And I guess if you're looking to, to, you know, memorialize somebody or you want to go some, you know, if you, there's someone you really like or someone that was famous and you want to pay respects and bring flowers, I guess this is not a bad service to have, right? If you want to find out where Albert Einstein is buried or whatever, yeah. you want to go put flowers on his grave or something, why shouldn't you be able to do that and find out that resource, find that out easily? So apparently you can now do that at findagrave.com. And yeah, I want to laugh when I say that, but. They're all public places too. And, and the thing that you, you don't want to be using find a grave for is uh, find a grave and then go have a party with uh, Jim Morrison or something. Well, it's funny you should say <laughs> that because this is leading into the next thing, which I told you about briefly, but. Before I go into that, why don't you pour the wine or to quote? Oh, yeah. Pour more wine. Try the wine. <laughs> you know, that's what I wanted to bring up while I'm pouring the wine is that you're describing the, the direction in that film um, and how there were some silences and in long drawn out scenes showing showing the um, the excruciating effort that it was to, to move his left foot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of directors are afraid to do that. Yeah. But put a lot of silence and a lot of. Um, how do I put it? Um, I'm setting the glass down on something that's going to make it tip over. Um, to put to put some some thought into the direction, you know, less is more. L allow the camera to linger on something for a long time, and mm -hmm. it actually mm -hmm. adds weight to the scene. And Kubrick was one of those directors who just he used that constantly, and it makes it very very real. Yeah, it's it, and it it takes a lot of courage as a director. Um, Ed. Who? Ed Harris. Ed Harris, right? He was in The Abyss and whatnot. Yep. Um, he starred in, and directed a film called Pollock. About, I saw that. That yeah, was a great it film. Great film. Jackson Pollock. And uh, once again, I rented it uh, on DVD, and I listened to the film with his di directing comments. Uh, did you happen to do that? No, I didn't hear the comments. But There was a moment in the film where he had... Uh, artistic, an artistic blockage. You know, he couldn't, uh, and we all know painful that could be. But, um, mm -hmm. but um, you know, he fiber. He, he, you know, more fiber helps. He was um, commissioned by um, what's her name? Um, the, uh, the 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 woman heiress uh, oh, who I, supported him uh, was a patron of his for a long time to do a painting uh, uh, of some kind for her, um, you know, her apartment in Manhattan. And uh, he was he was blocked. He couldn't come up with anything. So he cut to a white canvas. And stayed there for f maybe five seconds. And then right there in the director's comments, he said, you know, if I had courage as an editor and a director, I would have stayed on that shot for a minute. Just a blank canvas yeah. 
for one minute with no sound because that's really what it's got to feel like if you're an artist and you're having this block, this artistic, uh, you know, block, and you can't come up with anything because it's not coming. It's just not coming, you know. And you're like, so that's got to be equally as frustrating. And you know, looking back and thinking about seeing this film, My Left Foot. I honestly can't even tell you how long those moments were. I can't tell you if they were 20 seconds or 25 seconds or five seconds. Those moments where um, Daniel Day-Lewis was trying to put a record on a a record player, for example, and then pick up the needle with his foot. It seemed like an hour. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if, if you're, if you're looking at it as a film, I mean, and everyone is aware that they're watching a film when they're watching a film, they're the truly great films will take you out of yourself, but you're still somewhere deep down aware that you're watching a film. And when you've got a, a moment of silence that is 30 seconds or 40 seconds or even a minute, it feels like an hour because it's so rare. Yeah, yeah. And there were many of these moments, by the yeah. way, in this film because um, everything he had to do was a struggle, you know. There's a really, really, really funny, funny, funny moment in the film where he's feeling really down on himself and feeling really negative. And there was a, a local woman doctor who who deals with cerebral palsy only and and, and – um, um, educating you know them and doing um uh what's the word i'm looking for physical therapy and that kind of stuff and um she wanted to teach him to to speak better and uh he was very negative he had locked himself in his room for a day and the doctor came over to visit and he still isn't speaking very well so he mutters something you know and (laughs) i was watching it with subtitles because sometimes it was hard to understand him i was watching him with the english subtitles on because he was really portraying someone with cerebral palsy very well and sometimes it's difficult to understand them when they're speaking so um the doctor you know the doctor knocks on the door you know and i'm here you know i want to i want to help you blah 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 and he goes and um (laughs) and uh i'm not going to say what he said but i'll tell you he said f off (laughs) and i i just went huh well that doesn't seem like a very terribly nice thing to say to this this amazing doctor who wants to to help you and, and and help you get better and there was this little pause, and she goes, you know, if you let me in, I can teach you how to say F off more clearly. And I just <laughs> laughed. I hadn't laughed, a belly laugh like that in so long, because I just did not expect that yeah. out of the film. And I know I ruined, like, the best joke in the film. But it's great. So yeah, why don't you- I, I wanted to, uh, Rich has already pointed to the thing I was going to do. I wanted to say what kind of wine we're having here. This is the Behringer Founders Estate uh, 2000 Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm not going to mispronounce it on purpose this time. Um, very, very good stuff. Rich this brought is this delicious. Over. Yeah. I bought this wine. The company I work for, by the way, is an audio manufacturing company. And um, we do trade shows. And uh, we go out to the NAMM show in Anaheim every year. And this is like the United States' biggest music trade show. It's gigantic. If any of you have ever seen the Anaheim Convention Center, it's like six times the size of Javits in New York City. It's that big. It's like it's like five Javits next to one another. And then one of the ones, one of the buildings has another floor beneath it, which is the same size as the floor above it about. So it's like six Jacob Javits Convention Centers. It is so That's big. pretty big. But anyway, since it is so close to, uh, it, well, it is in California and it's so close to the Napa Valley, all the local gas station convenience stores have a, a rack of wine with hundreds of bottles. I mean, you can buy good wine at a gas station in, in California. Yeah, and Napa Valley has great wines. I mean, these are world-class wines. These aren't like backyard squeeze the grapes and throw mm-hmm. some sugar in. Yeah, and I bought this two or three years ago, and I've been cellaring it for years. And uh, I thought, well, why not drink it now? I thought it might be uh, achieving a, a a state of maturity that would uh, 
tastes great. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. It I is. Gotta, I got to dip some bread in this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I, I have one one other thought. So I go to this um, findagrave.com, right? <laughs> you know, and I do want to laugh, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure if you plug in Jim Morrison, it'll tell you how to find his grave. And if you're a in Paris, fan, yeah, in Paris, you can go lay some flowers on the grave, which is a great thing, I think. You know, uh, why not memorialize people, uh, special people anyway? And that got, and I again, I hadn't thought about this in years, but there's a, a really cool science fiction writer. A bit, he delves into fantasy as well a bit too, named Roger Zelazny. Zelazny, I think it's Z E L A Z N Y. And I, I, when I saw this find a grave thing, I, I remembered a short story that he wrote. And by the way, I prefer his short stories to his novellas and novels. But um, he wrote a wonderful short story, and I can't even tell you what it's called. But he had read, I believe, in the 70s about a company that was marketing gravestones that had recordings of the dead person. So you could go to the, the graveyard, mm-hmm. you could go to the cemetery, and you could go to your grandmother's whatever uh, headstone, and you could push a button, and there'd be a little message there recorded from them. Hi, thanks for visiting. You know, hope things are going well, or what, whatever they wanted to say. I think this, is, this sounds really familiar. So Zelazny extrapolated, well, where's this going to go in 10 years? Where's this going to go in 20 years? Where's this going to go in 100 years? So he wrote a a short story about, in the future, I guess, about, you know, taking this technology to an extreme where, um, you know, we have holography, you know, we can project Mm -hmm. holograms and, and, you know, there's computers with a small amount of artificial intelligence attached to them. So you could actually go to the the cemetery and push a button and a 3D projection of your loved one pops up and you can actually carry on some sort of, you know, apparently intelligent conversation with them. Because their personality has been programmed in. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then he took it farther. The story was actually not about that so much, as much as it was about what happened after the living left the cemetery. And his big, you know, punchline in the story was that at night, you know, the the, the gravestones all activate and they have parties <laughs> and all the holograms mingle and interact with one another and and they have great loads of fun until uh, till it's morning again and then the living uh, they turn themselves off and then the living show up and then they they, <laughs> they have to know, go through the do, drudgery. Yeah. So, you know, this little weird, you know, voyage I took from going to the bookstore to going, oh, let's let's buy uh, My Left Foot and Rent It, which led me to findagrave.com, which made me think about this short story of Zelazny's I hadn't thought about in 10 years, but good stuff. And if anybody can uh, email us the name of that short story, uh, uh, we'll uh, mention you on the air or something. We'll send you you a penny. That's right. Or when we get swag, we'll we'll actually send you something. Actually, you'll get royalties from the show. Yes, you'll get a right. percentage of the zero. Yeah, that we're, we're going to give you a piece. We're going to give you a piece. But um, I'm done. Yeah, I think that's I got pretty nothing. much it. No, I think it's good. Um, I hope you've enjoyed our all entertainment show. And that klaxon means it's time to go. Yeah. Bye bye bye. Oh please. Don't bring up boy band songs. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> yes, you were. You've always was got not, boy bands on your mind. Was not. Uh, well, to paraphrase one of my favorite radio shows, you've killed another 40 minutes with That's us. That's right. Uh, Don't forget, check out our new blog. John's got a new template on there. It looks really, really slamming. Oh, man, it's so, so high tech. It's cool. www.bloodyveg.com. Yeah, please send us feedback, comments. Photo- photographs. Um... Audio feedback. Whatever you want. Money. Potatoes. Fine wine. Yeah. Feedback at bloodyveg.com. Yeah, and remember, you're listening to V.I.B. V.I.B.